We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now, on to my guest for today, Phil Hughes, host of the Find Your Side Hustle podcast. Phil Hughes may be the ultimate side hustle guy. A software developer and podcast host based in Stockport, England, Phil has had to push outside his comfort zone to learn how to market and sell products. He's developed several programs, including apps to help English football fans find the right place to watch the latest game, to a fishing log app that helps fishermen, as well as a mail merge program for Outlook. Like many developers, his ideas have grown out of a problem he wanted to solve for himself and his own interests. In our talk, he reveals that he shifted from a build-it-and-they-will-come approach to a sell-first, build-it-later approach. He credits the idea of others he's learned from, like Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, and Pat Flynn, who opened up the idea of testing and validating an idea before building it out. He also shared the important lessons he's learned from training for endurance events. Just keep going. His podcast, Find Your Side Hustle, offers ideas and inspirations for others doing side hustles. Now, let's get better together. 
Phil Hughes, welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, th- you know, thanks for coming on. I, I think I did your podcast, well, depending on when I get my act together and release this thing, <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, quote unquote, had, had a really great time. Yeah. I, for the life of me, forgot how we got introduced, but whoever introduced us, thank you. <laughs> um, we could probably talk a little bit more about that later. I think it was actually a cold email, which is it always, was. yeah, it which was. is always pretty cool. Like, <laughs> this is the right way to do cold emails for whatever reason we got connected. Um, and you're, and you're working on a lot of cool things, uh, which, you know, we'll get to in a second, but before we do that, why don't you give me a little background on how you got to do what you're doing today? Cool. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, where I got to today is I could be, could be a bit of a long story, this, but basically very, very frustrated in my working career from a young age. So I think it's a bit different in the U S to the UK, but by the age of 18, you either go to university or you start working. And I, I went down the work working route, didn't like it at all. Five years later, jacked everything in and started university doing a computer science degree. And that's kind of then started the, the path I'm on now. Did that for four years and then started working as a software developer in June 2007. And again, just got really, really frustrated with uh, working for someone else, basically. Um, I'm still working for someone else, unfortunately, but that's led me down to the route to, to start other things and, and to do side projects. So from 2010, 2011, working with friends on a couple of ideas that we had, working on them, building on trying to sell a market. And then unfortunately, they didn't turn out. And over the past two, three years, I've tried to start my own projects, just solo myself with ideas, develop them using the development skills and then trying to trying to market and find customers, which is where it leads us today. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're like the ultimate side hustle guy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, uh, I, I interviewed this other guy named Richard Reese, who uh, young, younger than us, um, but didn't doesn't have a huge background in computer science, but went to Lambda school, learned about how to code. Uh, and okay. have, has a buddy, you know, and that that also that actually knows how to code better than him, at least according to him. Um, I think he does a good job anyway. But anyway. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so he he just would create these little projects, and these little projects were like these cool little things. And he's like, I just create one, see what happens. If it sticks, then I move on. If it doesn't stick, I, you know, wipe my hands, throw it in the dustbin, <laughs> so to speak. And keep going. So, over the last you know couple of years, how many projects have you actually you know started and stopped and started and stopped? God, um, that's a good question. On the whiteboard next to my desk, there's eight listed. Eight. <laughs> so eight. Wow. Eight. Yeah, there's eight listed. Now, some of them are from so like we started a mobile app with a few friends based around football in the UK. And that's then led to a couple of other projects. And that's unfortunately that didn't quite work out, but I was left with the code and a lot of the data. So then I've tried to repurpose it. So it's kind of like from years of built up, but yeah, I think for myself, for the three, there's four I've come up with myself that I've been trying to work on for the past three years. That, that's the, the real main one. 
And again, it's a bit of an interesting one. So I think the guy is like, he just tries and sees, throws something out there and um, see what sticks. That is a real, I've got a lot of respect for him. To be able to do that is really good because especially as a developer, you get so protective about things and they become your baby. And you're like, I don't want to give this up. It's yeah. not working, but it will do eventually. Oh yeah. Every, I think every entrepreneur never knows when to quit. <laughs> yeah. So I think the reason they've got that many is I've not been able to leave them alone. Hmm. But then the, the main ones of themselves are trying to get them off the ground. And it, it is a slow process when you're working like a nine to five job over the past few years I've moved house, got married. So life has kind of interrupted the pursuits of the side hustle. Let's hope the wife's not listening, but um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, it is, it is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. I mean, his, uh, his most successful one is something called most recommended books, which oh, okay. is pretty cool. Um, and basically he takes all the lists of, well, he calls the internet and he says, oh, famous people recommend books. I'm going to create lists. I'm going to put these lists on the internet. I'm going to share them. And then people will be like, oh, what a great list. This is what Elon Musk reads. This is what, you know, Warren Buffett recommends. So that was sort of one of his side projects that actually, you know, started to to take off. It's just fascinating that, you know, you can have an idea like that and kind of pull it together. And it's funny because his origin story is he originally um, – you know, worked on films, which, oh, right, okay. which is this really fascinating. I've always fascinated by films because like, if there's any kind of entrepreneurial thing where it's such a, you know, bring a team together, work on it for eight months and then go away and then bring another, you know, like it's this complete project based thing that's so, you know, kind of tight, you know, like it's, it's like the, almost the ultimate freelance kind of situation. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely. And and so it's just fascinating because, you know, a lot of people have the same, you know, conundrum that you have, right? I would love nothing more than to have my main, my side hustle become my main hustle, but I need to, you know, eat. I got a wife. I got, you know, yep. responsibilities, so to speak. Um, I'm sure your wife's very supportive, but, you know, hey, buddy, we got to pay the mortgage, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is a very common thing. And, and is it, I mean, how, how do these ideas kind of come to you? Because I know, I know you've got a bunch of hobbies, which, which we'll talk about in a second, but um, are these, are these ideas just, yeah, tell us a little bit more about how you formulate these things. So the, the first one, one of the sort of the, the SaaS products I've got is when we were doing the out with my friends, we kind of pivoted to doing a lot of social media stuff and our Facebook page took off. We had like 200,000 followers wow. and we were trying to monetize the social media. So the app became a little bit just of a, uh, another mechanism to try and promote the, the social media and our marketing site did. So we we're trying to monetize that and kind of sidestepped. But what that led to was me being a bit more technical and a bit more analytical. I'd look at our Google analytics every day Facebook page starts, Twitter starts, Instagram. Um, what else did we have? So just, so just trying to do a lot of analysis, really. And it was just a nightmare trying to get spreadsheets and all this information. And what I was also doing, trying to put my own little things. We have <clears throat> my own website. So I wanted to go and see, oh, well, I want to see my blog stats now. On Google, you'd have to switch account. 
yeah. and I was just getting frustrated with the, with the whole process. One of the things that I think it's Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week um, author, yep. says either solve your own headache or scratch your own itch. So yep. I was just like, okay, instead of going to find a solution, what I want to do is I want to create a little dashboard for myself. I can log in and I can put all my Google Analytics stats I want to I look at between um, my personal stuff and the businesses and then be able to link Facebook accounts, LinkedIn accounts, Twitter accounts and Instagram. So I can just see all the stats on one page. So that was the, the first thing that really I, I started working on myself was I'm just fed up with this problem. Can I solve it to that suits my need? Um, and then that's been a slow burner, but during the pandemic, because uh, September 2020, when we're recording this, mm-hmm. um, I've actually showed it to a lot of marketing agencies in the local area, like, oh, this is great. This is just what we want. So it's kind of solving a problem for other people. So I think that's one of the things that I have had looked at is is solving a problem that I've had personally. I think that's always a good start. Oh, yeah. No, I I think I can't. I think there's only been one startup. No, there's been two startups where it was sort of like not a personal problem, but it was like an adjacent personal problem where I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I know people that had this thing or that thing. Um, But yeah, it's always good to scratch your own itch because Mm -hmm. if you can solve it for you, chances are if you're, you know, decently know what the market is, someone maybe probably hopefully will buy something (laughs) hopefully it's big enough right but i mean okay cool yeah i mean it it is i'm sure you have the same problem i mean i find it hard as well to to stop doing something i find interesting or i kind of kill it i mean you know richard again is like pretty disciplined on this which i was pretty impressed yeah i have a hard time i have a hard time with it uh, and I think it's just because, and, and, you know, maybe it's most entrepreneurs, but, you know, the curiosity with solving a problem and like, oh, you know, maybe one day it'll, it'll hit. Um, it, it, it just seems to be ingrained in us. Um, the, the discipline to just like cut something. <sighs> yeah. Got to work yeah, on that one too. <laughs> an amazing, amazing skill to, to, to try and mimic that he's got. That'd be a brilliant one. Yeah. Yeah. But I've also found that these things that I've worked on, and maybe you found the same thing, they sort of build up this skill stack. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Scott Adams, I think, coined the term talent stack, where, hey, you're just doing all these things and you're building all these skills, and maybe eventually the alchemy of all of that, one day you hope, you know, <laughs> you go like, oh, I hope, you know, one day this will all become useful. Um, I'm actually finding some of that in some of the stuff I've worked on for a while now where, Oh, I didn't know we could do that for this type of market. So there's hope. <laughs> there's hope um, definitely, that, that definitely. all this stuff works. So, um, but but what I find so what what is it also interesting about you? I don't know if most people know is that you're you know you're an adventure endurance athlete like myself, which we can't really do a lot of that stuff nowadays since we are in the middle of the nope. pandemic. Um, and so. How have you found that kind of physical limitation pushing? Because I think you do what tougher mutters is one of the things you do. Tough mutters in the past, yeah, was that's the the, the probably the most extreme one I've done. Hmm. Done a few half marathons, ten k runs mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, how do you yeah, push it? Yeah, push pushing. How, how does that pushing you know the limit help with 
all these ideas? Um, it's interesting. I was on, on another podcast about this, and I think you've got to try and push you. It's an interesting one. So you want to do a tough mudder. And what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to get up every morning. You're going to have to go to the gym. You're going to have to do a lot of running. You're going to have to do a lot of upper body strength training. You're going to have to do a lot of core work. So you've got to be disciplined in quite a lot of aspects. And you've got to get out of your comfort zone quite often, but also have a lot of consistency of, of pushing yourself in this, out of this comfort zone. And I think the thing that I'm trying to take over um, to the entrepreneurial side and the side hustle side is is taking that sort of mentality of pushing yourself to do something when you may not necessarily want to. You don't want to get up at 5am and do a 10k run. So it, it, it's that, but you kind of force yourself to do it. And the thing I struggled with was implementing that in sort of learning marketing, learning sales, being out there every day, creating content, trying to learn sales copy, trying to learn sales funnels. So there's all that. So what I've tried doing from this extreme events is going, right, it's uncomfortable. It's something you're not good at. It's something you've not done before, but you need to go down that route of, of pushing yourself and being consistent and committing to it. Because if you want the goal of being your own boss, you're going to have to do these things. So I think there's a lot of similarities in it, especially the consistency and, and staying to a routine. Um, so I think that's one of the things I've, I've tried to the learnings from sort of the extreme events and physical activity into more mental and entrepreneurial pursuits. I think it's a real interesting sort of sidestep with it all. Yeah, d the discipline part of all the extreme sports I do find translates quite well, mm -hmm. uh, especially when it's like, oh, man, you know, like unless you're a salesperson, unless you're a marketing person, unless you're like someone who that was your day job before you popped over to the to the entrepreneur world. You know, most of the ones I know are technical co-founders, right? That they're techies. Yep. So they're like, I can code you anything or build you anything, but try to sell this stupid thing. Ooh, uh, it's an art in itself, you know. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. And and it's interesting because the techie people think it's a waste of time. Although I think it's one of the most important things because whatever you build, if you can't sell, then what's the point, right? Like exactly, you know, unless you're an artist and you're just building it for the pure art, then that's fine. But you know, we're the, you know, entrepreneurs are sort of the artists of the business world, right? We create something from nothing, then we try to convince people to buy it. Um, <laughs> you know, so we're kind of like the practical creatives, right? So yeah, you know, yep, definitely, it's 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 this interesting mindset because. You know, when I used to do a lot of this endurance events and I've done a couple tougher mudders, I, I'm not a big fan of the like dunk in the mud pit thing. I Oh no, I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I was not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't mind getting cold, wet, and sandy and in the in the ocean and you know, all that sort of stuff. But the mud thing just seemed like ah, this is a waste of this is just yeah. I do not like this. But I did it anyway, whatever. Like, what are you gonna do? Um but yeah, I mean, this, this whole, this source sort of, how, how do you, you know, like the, the sales and marketing side and the copy side of, of kind of your skill stack that you're trying to work on, how have you built up that skill set? I mean, what, what are some of the things that, you know, some younger type, you know, technical person that's like, Hey, I want to be a startup person, you know? How did you start building those skills? Is there some 
something you did that made it easier? Yeah, or? I wouldn't say it's easier. I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near where I want to be with it. I think one of the things, one of the things I think people should be wary of and try and avoid is the first few startups I got involved with. Someone said I'll do the sales and marketing, and to say they never did is the first one they definitely didn't the second one it was always like well let's do this instead and oh, let's move to doing something else so it was never the promises was never kept right. so if you're going in as a technical founder and someone's going to say sales and marketing make sure they do the sales and marketing and you hold them accountable because i made the mistakes of not doing that twice and we never got where we wanted to with it and on the back of that try and get involved with it if you can because what if they leave the business and also you need to take responsibility and hone your own skills so i was kind of very soft and said well i'm the technical guy i'm not going to do any of that and then when things go pear-shaped and you want to um do it yourself i've gone to a point where like right i've built some more products what how do i market it and sell it so i kind of turned the wheels and all this startup business for years but then didn't have enough skills so i think for me what i did was just went to books basically um books and podcasts were the the, 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 the thing for me um so yeah i think i mentioned tim ferris of four hour work week that was a little bit of a, a delve into sort of it was more lifestyle lifestyle design and inverted commas and made it sound easy um but yeah i think going down that route I kind of led me to people like Seth Gordon, who's renowned marketer, um, got a lot of books. So I just started consuming a lot of books and trying to just learn from that. A few online courses. There's a, a great one by a guy called Justin Jackson that's called Dev Marketing. And he purely de designed it for technical developers on the techie side. Oh, cool. So that that's really good because you just get a little bit geeks out on a few things, which keeps your interest but then shows, you know, what the benefit of doing like blogging, Facebook ads and things like that for. Right. So I've, I've just tried to consume content that I find interesting, that I feel relevant. So Seth Gordon was always struck a chord with me and I had this, this dev marketing course. Uh, and then just things, you know, looking at around who's been successful and trying to mimic them. So I think I've read Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, and he goes, just model what's working. So I've gone and looked at some of the big sort of software products that have done well. So Basecamp, the project management software, try to look at what they do for their marketing skills and, and try and learn from them. Um, and also ClickFunnels. I mean, a lot of people don't really like ClickFunnels, but they've been able to to build up a hundred million pound software business. Uh, so hundred million dollar oh, software all? business. I thought it was more than that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it probably is now. I'll probably listen to an older podcast of <laughs> Russell Brunson's. But so then you kind of look at that. They have a billboard on the one hundred and one. If you're going, oh, did they north? Right. Let's see. You're going from. So you're coming up to the city from Silicon Valley, going north. I think it's around like Brisbane, South City. And I'm like, click funnels. What is this still silly thing? Because I, I don't, I honestly don't know what it is. I mean, I probably should look into it. But there's, I am, there's so many of these tools out there. Yep. It makes my head spin because it's yet another tool, right? And for me, yep. I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon, and and although I love new tools, I love to like, okay, if it works, why why fix it? But I, I definitely got to look into them and 
Yeah, I think someone was on Twitter saying like, so what's the big deal of these ClickFunnel guys anyway? <laughs> Apparently they're doing well, which is good. I'm yeah. happy for them. Yeah, I, th- I think what they've done as well is the thing I'm going through at the minute, they've done like um, challenges as well. You pay $100 and you get like this course for 30 days. So in the in lockdown, uh, the UK where I live, we went in lockdown April, May. So I did 30 days training on that as well, which was a really, really interesting one. And read a few of the books that the the founder of ClickFunnels has done. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's just I'm just trying to consume a lot of information first, and then I'm just trying to know with the products. I'm trying to be disciplined again and say, right, don't waste your time programming. You can tweak in a bit of code, or why don't you create a blog post or do some sales copy and, and do something that may be income producing at some point. And just develop your skills like that and it's a real real it's a real tough one because you actually go and build a sales funnel in the one funnel away challenge from click funnels and i never got any sales and i spent a fortune on ads and all this content and everything but the principles i've learned i've then created another sales funnel for one of the, the products i'm trying to promote and got a first paying customer someone signed up for a monthly subscription wow. which is the first customer for that product so i was like that's amazing unbelievable so it works it, that's the first thing i said it works to, to my wife it works and what, she's like what, what are you on about what 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 product was that so i um to give a bit of context one of the things where we were chatting about um how do you come up with an idea um and you're solving a headache and there's another school of thought and i think i mentioned justin jackson from dev marketing he goes and well looks what's working and look how you can improve it or can you sidestep can you do a sister product so i listened to a podcast and they had a, a guy on it created a, a mail merge tool for gmail that ran inside gmail called gmas yep and i've heard of it it's pretty cool yeah so it's a very very clever tool yeah um and that's a, a lot of gmail and it, it's quite a lot of microsoft technology underneath hud that he's used and since I started as a developer, I've been a Microsoft technology sort of advocate. I've done a lot of stuff with the Microsoft programming languages. So I was like, I wonder if there's something I could do very similar for Outlook. Now, I know Outlook's got its own mail merge tool, but it's quite long-winded. You're importing spreadsheets. You're doing stuff with Word. It's not as nice as um, the GMAS tool. So I was like, right, okay. Don't, I didn't go and research how GMAS worked or how it interacted. I sketched it out myself, tried to solve the problem myself. I was going, okay, so in the new message screen in Outlook, I want to be able to compose, say, a, an email to 10 people, put a load of personalization in so placeholders that will get updated with their contact information, click send, and instead of that one email going to the 10 people, you're getting 10 separate emails to each person. Um, and then putting things like uh, Microsoft are quite strict for how many emails you can send if you've got like an Outlook.com email. So kind of do that. So it, it, they use my service to get past the limit. And also I've put things in like email tracking mm-hmm. so you can see if it's delivered, mm-hmm. if they opened it, if they clicked within it, and, and a little dashboard all inside the Outlook new message screen, really. Um, so that was something I did. It was kind of like a sidestep. And it was a bit of a strange one as well. I'd been really frustrated with MailChimp. So I had a mail chimp account <sighs> with, with stuff. Me too. And then they was like, oh, you got to pay for that. I was like, well, I've only got five subscribers. Well, i got to pay for it. Yeah. So the, the Outlook tool actually, again, eventually solved 
a headache. But yeah, it was kind of like looking at what worked, yeah. what was really successful and just going, oh, well, I could do it a different way on a different technology. And so that, that's the, been the main focus. And the, the click funnel thing has got me my first paying customer for that, that uh, Outlook tool. Wow, cool. No, I definitely got to check out ClickFunnel. I mean, I had similar frustration with MailChimp. I actually moved from MailChimp to something called Autopilot. I don't know if you've heard of Autopilot. It's like, All this, right, okay. yeah, this, it's a marketing automation tool, but it also has email, but it's like mostly for techie type folks. All right, okay. Um, because it's a pretty heavy lift to get all the journeys and all this sort of stuff. And they actually have a campaign and an email tool, which is like about 85% there. There's still some quirks with it. And, but they're like, I think they're in London. I'm not, I don't remember. Oh, right. Okay. But they're like pretty, they, I mean, they iterate quick and they're just like, I wouldn't call it like uh wild west or anything, but I mean, (laughs) their developers just, get stuff to work and then they, but they've got this concept called journeys. Anyway, I'm getting a little nerdy on it, but uh, we use a lot of the journey stuff with some of the clients that I work with. Oh, right, it okay. works pretty well for lots of different things. You know, again, it's a bit, there's some quirks to it, but it's really powerful. And I think it's about the same price as MailChimp, just with more powerful things. But if you're just, if you're not, don't have a lot, you know, if you sort of need some, technical ability i would say um, <laughs> right. it says you don't but uh, i don't know yeah there's always the... a disclaimer with that always a disclaimer exactly exactly but it's pretty cool so oh interesting so that's i didn't know i mean so there's really no good mail merge tool for outlook no well the the interesting thing i did a little normally what i do as well and i think it'd be good for the people listening I used to always jump in with two feet into like an idea. So a friend would come to me, this would be great. And then we start building it and I'd be like, delusions of grandeur. I'm going to be a millionaire. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) And what I did with Outflash, so it's called Outflash, the little tool I've built. Mm -hmm. I didn't build it straight away. I actually went and tried to find people who would be interested in using it first and foremost. And they had the frustration with the mail merge tool. And they also said, oh, I've used this other one um that you install on your pc and it's meant to be easier than the spreadsheets but i still get frustrated with it and it's have to connect it and all that lot so i kind of went down that route of actually going don't go researching too much into it but try and find people who are interested in what your take is on it so that that was the interesting thing i've done and then now i've been kind of got an email of around 20 people who was interested before i even started building it and then the marketing and the sales side, I've then looked at, oh, I found this other mail merge tool. I found another one and, and looking at what they're doing and what messages they're trying to put out. Um, so, yeah, so it was more finding a market that was interested more than looking at the competitors when I, I started delving into it. That's a great way to go. Um, I don't know how many times I've worked on stuff <laughs> where I'm like, this is so cool and no one wants to buy it. Like, yep. Good news is, of course, it you know you get your skill stack and your talent stack. You build these things up, so when you can find something that actually someone may actually want to pay for, you have the opportunity to actually do it. I mean, I think my whole 
now that I think about it, pretty much my whole career has been this like serendipitous stumble into something <laughs> that like, oh, I can do that. Let's see. Oh, someone wants to buy it. Oh, okay. You know, um, but I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's actually, that's a really hard skill to learn. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason why it's hard to learn is because, especially if you're technical, at least what I've found is that, you know, engineering technical folk are jobs to solve problems. So if someone says, hey, I have this problem, you're like, oh. I want to solve it. And if it's something cool to work on, you know, right yep. now I'm like looking into machine learning and artificial intelligence and natural language process, just cool stuff, right? It's like, oh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll hack something together, <laughs> and, you know, and you're kind of like, well, is anyone going to pay for this? Like, how do you know? But again, like in some cases, there's a there's a skill skill development portion, then there's actually, is someone going to pay for it? So yep. I, I, I like that approach. Um, it, was that part of the, the click funnel thing that is that their methodology or no no this, this is something um this is before i went through all the click funnels so this was july 2019 hmm. um i'm just going on i'd like to just say something about this, this the skills stacking you, you're on about i think the interesting thing i managed to do with the outflash tool is i come up with the idea in july i got the product out in october and the marketing site out there and running ads and I think that's exactly down to what you're saying. The, the, the tenures of me failing and trying stuff with other, other products kind of culminated in being able to deliver that extremely quickly and validate the idea. So I think that the, the, the skill stacking you've run about, I think that's a really interesting point. And I just wanted to, that's something that just enabled me to go really, really quick with it, quickly with this idea. Yeah. But going back, going back to the validation, I think because I had so much frustration of things failing, I was like, right, I've got to do something about it. And again, Tim Ferriss always goes on about, I keep going back to Tim Ferriss, goes on about idea testing. And that's kind of struck a chord with me. And I listened to another podcast, it's been around for years, called The Smart Passive Income by a gentleman called Pat Flynn. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called Will It Fly, which is purely about his experience and the skills he's learned of being able to validate an idea. Um, So I'd read that book. Um, I can't remember when I got it. I think just shortly after he, he'd released it. So I kind of read it when I was on, when things kind of failed with the other businesses with friends. I had to give myself about six months downtime and I'd read this book. So when it come to doing the, the market testing, I just kept referencing that book and I kind of already had stewed on the ideas. So it was really, really quick to be able to validate it. And he goes on about as well, you know, waste 48 hours of your time, or set waste, use 48 hours of your time, or even if it turns into four weeks of your time to get a list of 10 email addresses of people that are really interested in what you've got. Uh, and, you know, you've demoed uh, like a wireframe or a mock-up to them. And they're like, yeah, when can I have it? And how much do you want for it? He said, if you do that in your four weeks, instead of spending six months building something. So I think just from all the failures I've had in the past, that is something I really focused on. And that book was a real, 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 real eye opener and a real sort of playbook on how to, how to do it quickly. Yeah. I mean, especially nowadays uh, where there's just so many, um, I mean, the means of production, the means of marketing is, I wouldn't say, well, it's pretty much ubiquitous in the sense that let's say you had a product idea. Actually, I know people that do this. So I know this for a fact. 
<laughs> like say someone has a product idea and they'll put a landing page up in a weekend. They'll run some ads against it. The product will either be one they'll buy, they'll kind of drop ship, or the product just doesn't exist yet. And they'll see how many people actually buy it. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, we'll run in a little, you know, oh, it looks like we're out of stock or whatever. But they'll they'll see signal on, oh, someone actually would, you know, pay a little money and, oh, wow, the, the world, someone wants it. Then they'll go build it. And there's been a bunch of these little kind of business ideas where people have, have done that. Um, some of them have been physical products. Some of them have been virtual products. Um, but I always get, personally, I get nervous about that. uh, I'm very guilty for that so Outflash the email marketing tool Uh is exactly I did exactly that I didn't didn't say buy I just said we're working on it we're developing it if you're interested you know come and have that so I think I got a lot of organic email addresses from people I was chatting to on Reddit or on forums or on Facebook groups but to do a bit more validation I did exactly that put up a landing page Drove some Google ads to it. I'm really, really honest. I've got this idea. This is what I want it to do. If you're interested, just give me your email address and I'll keep you keep you in, in touch with you. Hmm. Um, have Have you used Product Hunt for Outflash? I have I've used Product Hunt. It's on the yeah, yeah. Because that's what uh, that's what Richard. I always come back to Richard because I find his 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 story. That's what Richard did. He launched on Product Hunt. That's like his yeah. thing. Um, so it's really, really cool that that exists as well, because, you know, who knows what ideas are going to be good. Um, who knows what success is, but is it's just super fun to work on stuff. And it would be really fun that if what you work on, <laughs> someone <laughs> would actually tight. buy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's interesting. So that, so yeah, so you've had the same experience that I have. It's like oh, yeah. so hard to the discipline to be like, oh, it's such a cool idea. How come no one wants to buy it? Uh, I don't want to market, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, during, during the pandemic, I think we might touch on it a bit later in the podcast, but, um, the, the tool I talked about, about doing the Google analytics and all the Facebook things, I've not managed to get any free users or customers for that. So money was tight, obviously, with the things going on. So I actually switched that off. And that gave me a little bit of free time to try and go through other ideas. And I did the same thing. I come up with what I thought were two cool ideas. Just put both ideas in uh, um, a group on Reddit for one idea, a group on Reddit for the other. One's really taken off. And the other one was just like, that is stupid. Why would anyone want to even use that? I was like, all right. So that took 24 hours. So I was like, brilliant. Don't just get rid of that. So yeah, so I, th- I think that there is good ways of doing it like that. But it's an interesting concept when you when you start delving into it. And it, you know, I think the other thing, and, and I, this is, I just speak for myself. There's a certain part of asking people if this is cool or good or what they would use that if they say no, it feels bad. Like, oh man, am I just an idiot? You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then in some cases it's like, well, if, well, if this is like overwhelmingly awesome and I can't get it done, you know? So there's like on both sides, there's the, oh, my idea is bad. I don't have too much of a problem with that as much because I have lots of ideas. But on the other side, oh, wow, this is an awesome idea and I can't execute on it. And I feel yeah. even worse, you know. 
sometimes. So I think there's a psychology around engineering, computer science, technical mindset around being able to actually deliver mm -hmm. what you promise. Whereas sales and marketing folks, not all, just I'm just saying, you know, they sure. spin a little more liberal on the, uh, you know, it's a conversation. Yeah, the numbers are this, you know, like I used to, I mean, the whole reason why, just as an aside, the whole reason why I have an MBA is because I was at a startup, was in a meeting with one of the marketing folks and we're, they're talk, we're talking about features and functions and they, I could not pin these guys down. I'm like, tell me what you want me to build and I will go build it. And it was this pontificating, flowerly, la la, I don't, oh man, like you don't know. It's like so hard, man. Like, like what the, you know, I was so angry. I was so angry because I'm every week I would get a different set of requirements and it would just piss me off because I'm like yeah. designing computer chips. I just can't like design a computer chip. It takes time, right? And so I was just so frustrated and I got all these like flowery words. And then one day I decided, you know what? I'm going to go get an MBA so that I can talk with these guys in the language that they understand. And oh, more importantly, I can stop with this frustration because it was hard for me to even fathom like, why are you like, what, what's all this marketing stuff anyway? Because I was always like, it was a precise thing. You know, when they said, oh yeah, the market is $10 billion. I'm like, oh, well, the yeah. market's $10 billion. And one of the guys that I used to work with, he's like, well, it could be five, it could be 15. <laughs> eh, we're within an order of magnitude. And I'm like, within an order of magnitude? And he's like, yeah, you know, we're kind of close, whatever. Like it was... You know, I used to I used to joke. It's like welcome to marketing. Two drink minimum was sort of my because like, you know, like, it's all about you know it's a hard job. Don't get me wrong, sales. It's just a different skill set that a lot of yeah. people when they get into this can't really. Well, it's not that they can't do it. It's a different mindset. I know. Like every time I talk to engineers, it's like they will they will talk every single problem. There is never nothing's ever going right with an engineer. I mean, you know this, right? You yeah. go into a meeting with a bunch of engineers, they're just going to complain about how everything's broken, it's busted, nothing, da, da, da. the whole, the whole, it's not, there's never like, oh, we did a good job. It's never that. It's never that. They're like Marines. They just complain <laughs> and complain and complain and complain, right? And if you, and if, and if you just listen to this and you're not trained, if you're like a newbie marketing person or like a newbie manager, you think the world's ending. Like the absolute, the thing is a complete disaster when it's not. It's just like engineers, their jobs to solve problems. If there's no problems to solve, they don't have a job. That's bad. They, they complain yeah. about everything. They're constant complaining. It's just the way it is, right? Um, so yeah, that was just like interesting learning all that. Found it. <laughs> well, now, you know, now I can talk marketing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, well, I went to graduate school almost 20 years ago. Wow. That's, pretty, oh, wow. that's a long time ago. Yeah. So, um, but you know, one of the other things I wanted to talk with you about is like one of your hobbies, which mm. is fishing, which yep. is normally for like older people. You're not that old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and one of the things I found really interesting is that like you talked about the football, uh, European football app, which, yep. uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it was pretty interesting about like how when you go to an away game on a football um club 
you want to make sure you go to the right pub or you'll get your head yeah. beat in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, you know, English football hooligans is a real thing, <laughs> I guess. It is. Um, so you got to be careful where you go have your pints or whatever. Um, but what about this? I think I think you're in the process of doing this fishing app. So, like, tell me about that. How, how did that come about? Yeah, so fishing has been a bit of a... So, again, you said it's for old people. I started when I was 12. I used to, I loved it all weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, in in summer in Britain, when there is a little bit of a summer, it doesn't go dark till like 11 o'clock in British summertime. So my dad used to pick me up after school on a Monday night, if we had any bait left, drop me off at the local lake, and I used to fish till like half to the night, and then he'd come and pick me up. So it was a real sort of love affair till... <sighs> Let's say, you know what Brits are like with drinking. So till I found drinking with my friends around 17, 18, that's when you, you can't go fishing with an hangover because you've got to get up really early. So that yeah. kind of yeah. got it. But yeah, as, as I got older, I got more into it. And interestingly, with the fishing app, I think we just touched on it uh, before, is I switched off um, one of the other products I had working on. And I just got chatting with a guy on Twitter who's he's what he's, he runs his own software product which is like a one-page website builder and i used his product following him to a really clever guy and he was just like during the pandemic if you want to start a side hustle i'll give you an idea that you can go and implement so i messaged him i was like oh this is quite interesting what's what's your idea what oh, idea are you going to give me that's pretty cool. and he just went well what are you into and he just basically it was very clever what he did he just kept asking me question after question after question and i talked about being a software developer talked about mobile apps talked about fishing I also play the guitar, so I talked about guitars. And he said, well, what can you come up with with your experience and your hobbies to produce something that people may use? And this is where it comes back to the validation. So I come up with an idea with like five bullet points for a fishing app, a mobile app. So I've built apps in the past. Can I do something for fishermen? And can I do something for guitars? And I'm in a lot of local fishing groups on Facebook, so I put my idea on the, the group and I got, like 18 people replying, oh, that bit's not great, but oh, I love that idea in the fishing app, or oh, I love that bit, or oh, I don't think that would work. But overall, the feedback was really good. Went on to Reddit, got the same again in some fishing groups. On Facebook groups for guitars and Reddit for guitars, everyone was like, what a stupid idea. I'd never, <laughs> and it, it just completely got absolutely battered, this, this guitar idea. But the fishing one just got a lot of traction. Right. And I was just like, well, again, like it's, I was very wary about it because I'm a big football fan. So building a mobile app for football that then bombed, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, I like well, software developer and I love football. And both these things couldn't merge and make. Well, successful. I mean, it bombed for now. I mean, they, yeah. they may, you know, that's the, the skill stack, the talent stack, right? Exactly. So then I've been able to go and kind of did the same thing again with um finding a lot of email addresses putting up a one-page landing site uh, one-page website a landing page running google ads and i actually did the thing we discussed is i used uh gumroad to do like a, a pre-launch early access and just said um put your email address if you're interested when the app's going to be ready these are the four things i'm going to try and put into it if you want to have early access pay five pounds and you can have early access and someone 
went through with an ad, saw the website and paid five pounds for early access. So I was just like, mind like blown. mind blown. Yeah, mind blown. Um, so the, the idea of validation of just getting an email address is, and this is again coming back to the Will It Fly book, he says try and do that if you can. Or just, just if you're chatting to someone on Zoom like we are now, oh, well, if I send you a link to like a, a, a PayPal link or whatever, will you, will you pay? Will you do early access? So I did that through Google Ads and it was just like, right, I've got 31 email addresses of people who are interested and someone's just paid for it before I've even started building it. And this is where it comes to you. Oh, shit, I've got to do something now and start building it. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. That That's that's my biggest – It's I know it sounds strange, but that whole success, like, oh, great, now what, right? Like, oh, I guess I got to do something, which yeah. it's a weird mix, but yeah. Cool. Well, that's really cool. So when's so then when's the fishing app going to get done? <laughs> um, so it's now in review on both Google Play and Apple App Store. Awesome. Um, so yeah. So again, I think we touched on it. Like engineers complain, and it's there's always something to complain about. And I think I've got into the mindset with this is so I come up with like four or five points for it. But the thing that people kept coming back to was I want to be able to record my fishing trips. So one guy I spoke to, he said, I, I take scraps of paper with me when I go fishing and look through, have I been on this lake before? What tactics did I use? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, they always get wet and they're always scrumpled up and then the ink runs or I've not took a pen with me. He said, if I could have that in an app, that'd be amazing. And the feedback I got off everyone is the, the sort of the, the fishing diary, the fishing log thing was the thing that everyone focused on. So I've just gone, okay, so I'll do weather in the app, sunrise, sunset, um, times. Interestingly, people don't know this, but I'm putting moon phase information in there because fish react to full moons more than they do Yeah. none. So I've put that in, and that was from feedback from someone. So I've kind of put that in because it wasn't too difficult to do, and then this fishing log entry and be able to be able to take photos and link them to um, an entry and then upload that in the cloud so they've saved the picture. So I've kind of gone down with that route as like the minimum viable product to get out there because all the other ideas I could do more camera functionality and yeah. then I think some of the feedback of people to say, oh, can we do forums in there? Can we have yeah. this? Can we have a how-to guide? And you could just spend, I could spend another two years just building it before even publishing it. So I've gone bare minimum um got it live on the app stores but luckily because i've had this the great thing is i've had this email address list building up not many people reply well, i've got five people that's tested it logged in used it giving me feedback yeah i love it the color's fine um and just like little feedback like can i share my pictures and my, my fishing trip on facebook and instagram and i've managed to get that in really quickly as well so there's been that little bit of feedback that you need before i've published it so, um, yeah, it's got, it's, it's, I say it's gone live. I'm now waiting to be approved by Apple, which is an absolute nightmare. Yes. And, and Google's been a bit bad at the minute. Yep. So a funny story with the, the, the football app I did originally. We did this big launch. We had it all going on social media. It's going to be live on the 28th of September or whenever we did it years and years ago. And I had them lined up ready, submitted it. It was like five to midnight because I'd read somewhere, if you get published on the app store at like one minute past midnight, you may hit the top 10 list for 24 hours. And they said the traction you can get from that top 10 list is huge. Yeah. Right, okay, I'll do that. So I sat there, 
half 12, it went on Apple, it went on Google Play, fine. Sat there till four in the morning, clicking refresh on the app store for Apple, nothing. A week later, still nothing. Two weeks later, still nothing. Six weeks later, still nothing. And I was going to Vietnam with my wife. And my friends are like, well, what we're going to do? I said, well, I don't know. I'll just check my emails in the morning and see what it's coming. Just this one of the last days in Vietnam, we'd done a tour from the north to the south, a big organized tour with about 20 other people. And I was just, <laughs> this email finally come through and I just legged it. I was like the mask. I was like legging it about like yeah. going to reception. <laughs> Have you got internet? Yeah. Where is it? It's over there. Thanks. And like legging it about, like sliding around this reception just to try and log on and, and click go on this this app and then was like on whatsapp to my friends like push it push it you know yeah. promote it again yeah so i've had the experience of going through this review process and it's a nightmare so i'm not kind of like pushing it yet till it's actually live yeah no that's you good that's you fail launch yeah you don't want to fail the so. launch fail, failure to launch is not a good thing so yeah so i'm just going through the review process now so i'm hoping i'm hoping by monday next week that I can start really sort of pushing it. Cool. Well, we'll definitely, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes to all the stuff we talked about. And, you know, Phil, it was just great to talk with you again. You know, I'm looking forward to your podcast coming out. We had a great conversation about stuff as well. And yeah, yeah. Good luck with everything. Keep in touch and stay safe. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So yeah, it's been, been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.